thank the Lord for our visitors. Today, John 10, 10 says that we might have life more abundantly. Now folks, I want you to know there's only one way to have an abundant life. There's only one way to be blessed really in this life. Listen, I want you to know what the world has to offer you today has absolutely no hope in it. But what this old world here tells us today, that's where the hope lies. Right here in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible says in verse 1 of Matthew 28, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to draw dawn toward the first day of the week, in other words, again, as Brother Jim stated this morning, we're talking about the Lord's Day, we're talking about Sunday, we're talking about the day that in Christendom we come together to worship in spirit and truth. The Bible says that as it, uh, the dawn toward the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Now, first of all, I need you to really, uh, really think about the scene that is playing out before us. What would you have done? How would you react when you had seen and witnessed this very thing take place? <clears throat> the Bible says again in verse 3, His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. The songs that have been sang all morning have to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says again, For he is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And those 
quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, and there ye shall see him. Lo, I have told you. They departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy, and did run to, the, to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hell. Now I want to stop here for just a moment, and I want you to know something. This hour of hell was a blessing. This hour of hell was a was a was a was a verbal was a verbal uh, um, mission of joy. And he's telling these folks as he had came back from the dead, he's saying to them, "I'm here. Listen, I'm here. I'm risen." The Bible is going to say. And they came and held him by the feet, and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. I want to bring a message today, simply in time, the paramount importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our most gracious and divine Heavenly Father, Lord, today as we bow before your throne, we do so with thankful hearts. We thank you, God, that we have been able to gather together as thy children in this house of worship. Lord, we thank you for our visitors. I pray, Father, your blessings upon them. Lord, we thank you that you've already blessed us beyond measure. And even if we were made to leave this house at this moment. We can truly say it has been good to be in God's house. Lord, I pray that you'll bless the congregation, bless our radio audience, bless those out in Sermon Audio Land, Lord. I pray that you will bless thy word to find the mark of each and every heart that needs it. Lord, I pray for the salvation of all souls today. I pray, dear God, that you would move upon this congregation in a very special way. Forgive us, Lord, our sin. In Jesus Christ's name, and amen. Imagine to our visiting friends, our radio audience, Easter is so much more than the world realizes this morning. To me, this morning, Easter is only the opportunity to enjoy a great meal with friends and family. To others, it's a time to enjoy the annual Easter egg hunt with our children. And to some, it is the day we dress up and go to our annual church service. But do you really recognize the significance of what Easter is all about? Easter is not just an important day in the life of the believer. It is of a paramount importance. For without the resurrection, our hope of salvation and our own resurrection would never be realized. So today we're going to explore what makes the resurrection so important and so meaningful today. The first thing I want us to think about today is the resurrection is proof of the Heavenly Father's endorsement of the sacrificial offerer. What I'm saying here today is, is as you go all the way back into Genesis even, 
When Adam and Eve had to have a sacrifice that, that they would be covered. And God took care of that himself. But all through the, the Old Testament times, you see that, that there were individuals that came with offerings. Offerings. We're talking about a sin offering, a trespass offering, a peace offering, and I could go on and on, a thanksgiving offering. And, and every, every day, every, every week and every year, they would have special offerings. And these offerings were only offered at certain places, and they were only to be they they were only to be consider a special offering, one that was without blemish, one that could not be maimed. I'm I'm talking about as you look in the in the offerings that were offered, they were turtle doves, they were they were uh, they were they were lambs, they were goats, they were they were uh, they were bulls, and and everything else, and. And each one of these offerings had a specific uh, uh, detail they had to follow. God said, your offering has to be perfect, in other words. Your offering could not have a blemish in it. You couldn't have got a, 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 a bull again that had a, that had a bad eye, but that had a, a, a limp in his walk. You couldn't bring a turtle there that had a broken wing, or, or I mean anything that would cause it to not be a perfect sacrifice. Listen, it was prohibited to bring into the offering place. I want you to stop and think about that for just a moment. We're talking about, we're talking about our sins here. We're talking about a payment for our sins, and there's only one way that that payment can be made, and it has to be with a perfect sacrifice. And as we look and we understand the, the tabernacle and the temple, and we understand the the goings on as we studied the, the tabernacle here in, in not too many years ago, there was a special place for the high priest to go. And it was behind the veil. And behind the veil was where the offering was made, where the blood sacrifice was sprinkled upon the altar and upon the horns of the altar. And there was an atonement made for the people. But that atonement there that was made could not take away the sins of the people. But that's what Jesus Christ was able to do in his sacrificial offering. As a matter of fact, the Bible states it and shows us in Matthew 27, if you'll back up just a little bit, and verses 50 down through verse 54, we see exactly what I'm talking about here. The Bible says in Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. This was on the, the cross of crucifixion. This was where Jesus Christ was being sacrificed for you and for me. As a matter of fact, the Bible speaks of him being a, being a just man, a perfect man, an upright man. And this is what the, the world even saw him as. Those that were going to put him to death saw him as a just man. He was the perfect son of God, the perfect sacrifice. There was absolutely no blemish in this man. We're talking about the sinless son of God. We're talking about the one who the, who the Bible declares was the perfect and holy one, the holy son of God, the very essence of God himself. The Bible goes on to say in verse 51, and this is when he yielded up the ghost when he actually died on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. And I want you to know how important that is. It wasn't, it wasn't that, it, 
you know, somebody was able to get it at the bottom of, and they was able to tear it apart at the bottom. You know, humanity was able to destroy it. Listen, the Bible says that it was really from top to bottom. And that's very important that you get a hold of that. God was in charge of that. God took care of the, uh, of the temple veil here. And the Bible states, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. And the earth did quake, and the doors rent. Again, I'm going to stop right there, and I want you to get a hold of the importance of this. The Bible says the graves were opened. Many of the bodies of the saints were swept arose. And he came out of the grave and they and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things which were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly. Now get a hold of this. Here was here was one of the guards that was uh, that was there at, at that crucifixion scene. Here was one of those mighty men of valor, so to speak, that was there just to make sure that that man didn't come down off the cross, amen? Making sure that nobody helped this individual. Here the Bible states that, that he said, Truly this was the Son of God. The Son of God. Made him a perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect Lamb of God. As, as, I, as I stated, this is important. This author gave his all. This author gave the very best of himself. And Isaiah chapter 53, this is one of those scriptures that goes back to, to uh, uh, Old Testament prophecy speaking about uh, uh, the death of Jesus Christ. And here I want you to notice what it says. In Isaiah 53, uh, you know, and even Brother Jim mentioned this this morning, you know, sometimes you wonder who's going to believe what you got to say. Somebody in this house today may not believe what I have to say. You may walk out of this house and say, man, that's a bunch of hogwash. But listen, I want you to know there's a God in heaven who will make sure you understand one day that this is not a bunch of hogwash. The Bible says, as Isaiah speaks here, he says, And who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground and hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Now I want to stop right there for just a moment. You know, a lot of times you see all these pictures hanging on the walls with uh, Jesus Christ on the cross. You see a beautiful picture there. I want you to know something that Jesus Christ was not a, a, a scene of beauty during this time. As a matter of fact, the Bible speaks about, about his cruel punishing punishments that were put on him by man. The Bible says he had his beard ripped from his face. The Bible says he was blindfolded and they would beat him across the face with their fist. They would spit upon him. Then they took the cane and nine tails and they ripped him beyond measure. As a matter of fact, the Bible speaks about the fact that they had to quit because they were afraid he would die there. And that was a wrong thing for them to do because they wanted to see him hang on the cross. I want you to look at him. I want you to see him. I want you to picture in your mind. I want you to see your Savior. I want you to see the one who gave his life that you might have life. I want you to see the one who suffered and bled and died. The Son of God, the perfect, the, the perfect Lamb. 
As John the Baptist would say, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. My friend, I want you to know today, this is the salvation of the Lord that's being offered here. This is the salvation of the Lord. And the Bible says, as Jesus Christ hung on the cross of Calvary, that his father turned his back upon his only son. Why? Because he placed upon him our sins. The sins of, uh, of you were placed upon his shoulders and the Bible says his, son, his father turned his back and that moment of darkness that you see in the scriptures, that moment of darkness is when he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Can you just imagine? Can you just imagine this perfect son of God? The, 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 the one who was called in the scriptures the apple of his eye. The one who is, uh, is, is the, perfect, uh, the perfect essence of the God man himself. And here the Bible states that, listen, his father turned his back upon him. He is not something that you would desire that was beautiful. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in verse 3 of Isaiah 53, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and we hid as if it were our faces from him. He was a despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Listen, sinner friend, I want you to know something today. There was nobody ever able to take your place. There was nobody that was ever able to take your place. You couldn't take your own sins and pay for them. Listen, it took somebody special. It took the special Son of God. It took the perfect Lamb of God to pay your sin debt. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions and was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. Has that not been the case in you today? Has it not been so with you today that you've gone astray from the God of heaven? That you've gone astray from the Savior of men? That you've gone astray from the only one who could pay your sin debt? You've gone astray from him. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is done. So he opened not his mouth. My friend, I want you to stop for just a moment and consider something with me. Here we see the only offering that could and would make a difference to you in this world today. It was the perfect Son of God, the spotless Lamb of God. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 27, 19, uh, as, the, as we look at Pilate's wife, she said, had nothing to do with that just man. She knew he was a just man. Verse 23 of, of the same text, it says, Why, what evil hath he done? As, as he looked out over the crowd, as they demanded Jesus to be crucified, he wanted to know why. You want to know why? Because your sins was going to be placed upon him. He had done nothing wrong. He was a perfect son of God. Verse 24, Matthew 27, the Bible says, The blood of this just man 
or just person. The right sacrifice goes all the way back to Adam and Eve to make the only true atonement or covering. Genesis 3, 7 through 21, as Adam and Eve had sinned against the God of heaven, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, did they not? Many people today are covering, are trying to cover their lives with fig leaves. And you know, things that will not suffice, things that will not uh, cover you. A lot of folks today think that, oh, if I just pay enough in the, in the offering box, I'll, I'll make it through. Folks are looking today and say, well, if I'm just baptized, I'll be all right. Folks are thinking today, if I, if I just join the church somewhere, I'll be all right. Listen, those are things or things. There was nothing wrong with the fig leaves except for the fact they did not cover them wholly. And that's the same way with all those things I just mentioned. There's nothing wrong with giving in the, the money in the box. There's nothing wrong with being baptized as long as you're saved by the grace of God. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being a member of a church as long as you're faithful and, 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 and true to that church. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being a member of a church as long as you're saved by the grace of God already. Those are wonderful things to have in your life. But them alone will not save you. Those alone will not make you a home in heaven. It takes a perfect sacrifice. It takes a, it takes a willing participant. Listen, all those sacrificial lambs and bullocks and turtle doves and all those things that came before the children of Israel, listen, they came reluctantly. They didn't come, they didn't come willingly. They were, they had a rope to their necks and they were pulled into the sacrificial offering. But listen, Jesus Christ willingly laid down his life for you. As a matter of fact, as he walked out Pilate's hall, listen, he left a trail of blood all the way to Golgotha. And I want you to know, I don't believe that they, that they had to force him down and tie him down to, a, to an old cross before they ever nailed him. I believe he willingly laid there because he was the only sacrificial lamb that could take away the sins of the world. Listen to that, folks. There's the hope of glory. There's the hope of salvation. It's found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. You see, there must be a pleasing and satisfactory sacrifice. So we see the acceptance of the sacrificial perfect Lamb of God in the one direction. You know why? Because God raised Him from the dead. Listen to that. Number one, you see the, the satisfaction of God when He tore the temple veil from top to bottom. That was God's hand. Number two, you see the you see the acceptance of the sacrificial lamb as God raised him from the dead the third day. That, my friend, is a work of God. And that shows that God received his sacrificial lamb. Matthew twenty-eight, verses five and six again we see he is not here, he is risen. From Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 10 and on and on, we see the risen Savior. This all spells to the one thing that God was satisfied with the sacrifice of His Son. Folks, I want you to know something. That's the only way you'll ever make heaven. That's the only way you'll ever see the God of heaven is to trust His Son and His sacrificial death on Calvary. Not only His death, 
You know, listen, I also I see from time to time these crucifixes with a, with a body on it. Listen, don't leave him on the cross. Don't leave him on the cross. And listen, don't leave him on the foundation inside, the, inside that cave either. I want you to know he was a resurrected Savior. That cross, my friend, did not have anybody on it. That cross didn't have anybody in it because God was satisfied with the death of his son. Now, thirdly, I want you to know this. The resurrection is of paramount importance to us because it makes our resurrection not just possible, but sure. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, if you'll go back there for just a moment, 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, this is where we get the, what, the, what the gospel is in a nutshell. Verses 1 through 4, the Bible tells you exactly what the gospel is. It isn't anything that we can do. It isn't any good works that we can perform. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures. Now that, my friend, is the gospel in a nutshell. Do you believe that today? Listen, if you don't believe it, there's no hope for you. But if you do believe it, that's the hope of Jesus, our salvation. In 1 Corinthians 15, beginning of verse 17, the Bible says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. Listen, there are those today that want to lay claim to the fact that Jesus is still in the grave over there. As a matter of fact, some of them have, have found a box in just a little old box and they said it has a bunch of bones in it and they said they belong to Jesus. Listen, they ain't my, they ain't my Jesus' bones. Listen, I want you to know that that Savior was resurrected as, as Brother Jim said this morning. Even Thomas, he was a doubting man, but listen, he, he quit doubting when he felt him, didn't he? He was a real, he was a real man and a real savior. Now I want to stop right here for just a moment. I want you to think about this. If God has not raised his son, then we none of us have hope. But the Bible says we have hope. We have a blessed hope. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in 1 Peter that we have a lively hope. In other words, this is something that you can feel deep down inside of you. I want to stop right here and think about this for a moment. The resurrection is so important because it means it will be resurrected. Is that not what my second point was stated? The Bible says, but now, in verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Jesus Christ. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. There's the hope of our resurrection. I've stated before, I've preached a lot of funerals in my day as a pastor. I've been on a lot of these hills around here as we have put folks in the grave. But know this, every last one of them that has laid claim to Lord Jesus Christ is saved by the grace of God. Listen, there's coming a day when they're going to come up out of those graves. Amen? They're going to come forth. <clears throat> the resurrection is going to make that, make that possible. And that happened because Jesus Christ was resurrected from the grave. 
The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, it says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Why? Because the Bible says it's sure that one day soon we're going to see the resurrection of our sainted loved ones. I said that in a, in a loose manner. Listen, you're not going to really see it. We're all going to be there together in a twinkling of an eye. That's how quick things are going to change. The Bible says the dead are going to raise first and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Listen, I want you to know that, my friend, is my hope. It's not just a wishing hope. It is a true hope of salvation. Salvation brings about a resurrected life. Think about it. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 51, the Bible says, Here, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Amen. You're saved by the grace of God. Listen, the resurrection makes this possible in your life. Because Jesus was resurrected from the grave, so shall we be resurrected. And listen, before we can enter into that heavenly abode, our bodies are going to have to be changed. And listen, that means this, this corruptible shall put on incorruption. That means that this old deadly sinful body is going to be changed into no more corruption. That's the hope of the resurrection. That's the reason why I rejoice on a day like today. Actually, I rejoice every day. I, I, listen, I want you to know some things that makes me happy. The birth of Jesus Christ, amen? That makes me happy. I love, I love Christmas, but listen, I think of the birth of Jesus Christ every day because I know without that, that virgin-born Son of God, I would have no hope. Now I'm thinking about the resurrection. I'm thinking about... I'm thinking about the joys that, that Easter really brings. Listen, it's the joy and the hope of knowing that we too shall be raised incorruptible one day. Folks, I want you to know something. I have that joy every day. This old body of mine just seems to be wrecked with all kinds of heartache and sickness. But I know this, when the Lord raises me from the grave, I'm not going to have that problem anymore. Amen? My body's going to be changed. My body is going to be made whole. As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelation 21 and verse 4, the Bible says that, that all those sicknesses and sorrows are going to be done away with. There'll be no more tear ducts there. Listen, when, I, when the Lord dries my tears one last time, when I stand before him, listen, when I'm there rejoicing and I'm, and I'm just overwhelmed with joy and I'm crying, he's going to take and he's going with his own hands. Revelation 21.4 says he's going to wipe my eyes. He's going to dry my tears and there'll be no more tears, folks. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more heartache. Listen, that's the change that the resurrection gives you. The joy and the hope of a new life, a new body. What joy that it'll be. Listen, I've got just a few more minutes left on our broadcast. I want you to think about this last point. The resurrection is paramount importance to us because it speaks a 
of what I just was speaking of for the incorruptible state of our being. I knew I was getting ahead of myself, but I couldn't help it. I, I just rejoiced in the fact of knowing that one day my body's going to be changed. These old broken down hips, these old broken down knees, this back and this neck and everything else that's broke down in me is going to be fixed once and for all. Once and for all. These folks that we have put in these hills out here, all kinds of different sicknesses, all kinds of different problems, and you know what that all stemmed from? The sin of Adam and Eve. That's where it all started, folks. But it trickled all the way down to you and I. And the more, the more it trickled, the, the greater it got. Used to, used to. I mean, you go back and you think about Enoch. You go back and you think about all these older uh, generations. And man, they would live seven, eight, nine hundred years, and, and they would keep on going. But as as time goes on, our lifespan keeps getting less and less. You know why? Because sin keeps building up the more and more problems in our old bodies. But know this, there's going to be a day. There's going to be a day when we're changed. A day when everything is, is completely made new. The resurrection of Jesus Christ promises us the redeemed saved that our bodies and our lives shall be changed. And we shall be in a perfect state of mind. A perfect. My wife says I'm getting a little forgetful. You know, I, I believe I am. I, I mean, sometimes I'll look at somebody and I want to ask them to dismiss in prayer and I'm thinking, hmm, <laughs> I've never been in that way one time. I'll never forget it. I felt, I felt so embarrassed. My mind, sometimes it plays tricks on me, but there's coming a day when it's not going to. Amen, Amen. This, these minds are going to be made whole. These minds are not going to have to deal with sin anymore. These minds are not going to have to deal with the devil anymore. Amen? These minds are going to be changed and the devil's not going to have anything to have any part of our lives anymore. And that, my friend, is heaven. That is heaven. Not to deal with the old devil anymore. But to just think, being with Jesus. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. I can just say the verse and my, I got chills run all over me. To think that we're going to sing a new song one day. To think that we're going to all the around the throne we're going to be in charge. So much joy is going to be had. You know, that's where you know, you go to the scene where John the Revelator as he is as he is standing there and they they want the, the, the seals of the book open and nobody in heaven was able to do it. No man was able to take care of that little project. John began to weep. But there, in the midst of all the joy, in the midst of all the celebration, the Bible says, Oh, still Amen. As we've been saying, but Jim, I believe that you're going to see the stars that we put upon him. Because the Bible says you're going to see the lamb that was slain. Folks, that means he's going to have the visible marks of the crucifixion upon him. And you've got to remember, a day of the Lord's a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. There's, I mean, there's no, there's no mention of what time is in heaven because there is no time. So when Jesus Christ was crucified, when we see him, it's just going to be just like it just had happened. 
The Bible says that in the midst of all the celebration stands a lamb that was able and worthy to take the books and open the seals thereof. You know why? Because he is still the perfect lamb of God. Even though he took our sins upon him, even though he paid our sin debt, even though he made it to where we will be resurrected one day. Yes, what joy on Easter morning. I walked out this morning. It was a cold morning. It was. We had a little skiff of frost over there. But I walked out and I saw that beautiful sunrise and I thought, oh my, what a beautiful day it's going to be. You know what? I believe it was a beautiful day when Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and Joanne and all those went to the sepulcher that morning. I believe it had to be a beautiful morning. Because that was the morning that they found out that the Savior was not there. Amen. He was risen. He had risen and he had done so for the salvation of our souls. Oh, what joy in the morning. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 44, the Bible says it is, uh, speaking of our body, it's sown a natural body, is raised a spiritual body. Why? Because Jesus Christ was triumphant over the grave. I'm looking forward with great anticipation for the new body which the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave guarantees the born-again believer. I could go to Isaiah 25, verse 8 and 9, 1 Corinthians 15, 26. I, I quoted some of the Revelation 21 to you just a moment ago and since I'm here I want to read this in verse 4. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. <clears throat> Can you imagine? Can you imagine having the very God of heaven wipe your tears from your eyes? His hand to touch your face. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. And here's the, here's the kicker to it all. I know people down here have a lot of regrets. We have a lot of problems in our lives. We've had a lot of heartache. We've had a lot of times, I mean everything, family problems, I mean you could go on, whatever problem you've been having, listen, know this, there's coming a day when you'll not remember those problems no more. The Bible says... For the former things are all passed away. All those things that used to break our hearts, you'll not have that in heaven. Why? Because of the resurrected Savior. Think about it. I'm wanting to close this book, but I don't want to. But you know, I look out over, you know, I, We've, we've all had family that's left us. And that's the way I like to put it. They've just left us. They, they, they ain't gone forever. Especially those of us who are saved by the grace of God. Speaking of those that died in the Lord. They're not gone forever. When I go to preach a funeral of a saved saint of God, I always like to say it's only a short separation. As a matter of fact, when we get there, they're going to turn around and look at us and say, well, there you are. Yeah, like, like we just had never separated. Yeah. Folks, that's what it's going to be like in heaven. We're going to see those that we have known. Matter of fact, the Bible says we're going to know as we're known. Now, 
that, that says something good to me. All of those family, uh, all of those family and friends that have gone before me, when they see me, they're going to recognize me, and I'm going to recognize them. But you're going to recognize your daddy. I'm going to recognize my dad. My family, my brothers, it's going on before me. I'm going to recognize them. I'm going to rejoice. And they're going to rejoice. Home at last, amen. Home at last. You know why? Because of a resurrected Savior. Home, sweet home. Oh, my friend today, we have much to be thankful for, amen. You come to a house such as this. Saints of God have filled the house this morning. We've had the promise where two or three are gathered in my name. He says, I'm going to be there too. He's been in this place today. And folks, if you couldn't feel it, if you couldn't feel it, you need to know the Lord is your Savior today. You need to come to Him savingly. You need to repent of your sins and trust Jesus Christ. Listen, He's the only means of salvation and the only means that you'll ever find the right resurrection because, listen, everybody, everybody is going to be raised. There's not one body that's going to be left upon this, this earth. The lost are going to go to their place. The saved are going to go to their place. There is a long home, my friend. What long home are you going to be in? Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 5 I believe it is states the fact that we're going to our long home. Is yours heaven? Listen, there's only one way to get to heaven. That's through Jesus Christ and Him crucified trusting Him. Coming to Him by faith. You say, well how do I receive faith? You just, you just, you just saw the way. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right here's the way to faith. But here's the way to, to have that real belief deep down inside, hearing God's word. That, my friend, will bring about salvation. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Romans 1, 16, I'll quit here in just a minute. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to those that believe. My friend, there's, the, there's what you need. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Let's all stand, please.